Welcome to the Sticks and Stones podcast, bringing you interviews with people from across the globe who are changing the face of sexual health for the better. This is the place to hear about new approaches and initiatives in sexual health, best practice, challenges, and to meet some of the people who are driving change from around the world. My name is Nick Mallon, and I administer the SDI International Exchange, or Sticks. I hope you enjoy today's conversation, and please subscribe to receive future episodes. So welcome to the latest episode of the Sticks and Stones podcast. Absolutely delighted to bring you an interview with one of our sexual health advocates, Harun Tulagai, who we met recently at our Sticks conference in London. I'm sure that you'll be as impressed with Harun and as interested to hear about his background as we were when we heard at the Sticks conference and thought it was an absolute must to get him in and, and presenting in the podcast. So Harun, welcome and over to you. Originally, I'm from Turkey. I was born in Izmir, a west city in Turkey. And I, uh, my family is a very religious family. And um, I, I'm, the only, I, I'm the only boy, only child of the family. And uh, I was raised very, very religiously in my family, but... Uh, when I started the uni, uh, when I was at 17 years old, um, I, I moved to another city uh, to, to study computer science. And um, after that, I started to discover myself a little bit. Up to this point, uh, I didn't know much about uh, sexuality or gender or, or, or sexually transmitted illnesses or any kind of sexual health education. You know, it was all, it was all lack, uh, lacking in my life. And then, um, and then uh, when I moved to the, uh, uh, Ankara, uh, I started to look around and started to discover myself a little bit more. And uh, I just came out as, um, as a gay man. Uh, but I didn't, I didn't share it with my family. Uh, and back then we had MSM messengers and my, my cousin, one of my cousins found out that uh, I'm gay uh, from a conversation I had with a close friend of mine. Uh, it was a very innocent conversation we were having about boyfriends and, you know, um, the being gay and difficulties. And she chose to share it with my family without consulting me, uh, which didn't end up well. So when I went back to my city to uh, to, to, to a term break, uh, I realized that my family was actually uh, very ready, prepared uh, to corner me, uh, which they ended up uh, locking me uh, up because uh, being gay. And then um, the, the, the things really went down from that point. Um, they physically tortured me and abused me um, and I had to run away. But after running away from my family and disappearing, everything got a little bit better. Uh, I started to work as an event manager, which I did in Turkey for 11 years. I worked internationally um, and I found my own chosen family uh, and um, everything got better. But when I decided to move to Istanbul for uh, professional reasons, in Istanbul, I was attacked uh, on the streets um, uh, for being gay. And they, they, they saw me getting out of a gay bar and uh, three or four men actually cornered me and they beat me up for being gay. So that was that was actually kind of starting starting the feeling of that I don't I didn't belong there. 
I just wanted to run away, which eventually I found my way uh, to the UK in 2015. And since then, I've been in the, in, in, living in the UK, in London. I am right now working for a sexual health charity. Uh, and, um, you know, since then, uh, I've been, I'm still not in contact with my family, but uh, I have a life here now. I became British last year. And um, I think uh, things are kind of looking up uh, finally for me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Harun. And that's a, a harrowing story. And I imagine it's just the tip of the iceberg. It must have been very tough for you in, in Turkey at all, at all levels. It um, was actually, Nick. Yeah, but, um, people always think that, especially I'm, I'm, I'm getting so many messages, you know, people living, uh, LGBTQ plus people living in Turkey about how difficult it is and about the challenges they are having. While we are in here, we don't realize that living there is really different than how it is projected on the news. So many asylum claim applications right now being rejected in the UK, thinking that it is not illegal to be gay in Turkey. But people are being murdered in Turkey. Trans people are being killed every day. Government is holding an anti-LGBTQ plus march. You know, things are not sometimes as they look. And um, I think we have to learn that. And, you know, we have to look at the bigger picture and get the insights from people before making a judgment. So before we come to your your work in the UK, Harun, that's uh -huh. seven years that you say you came in 2015. Yes. Is there any glimmer of hope in Turkey in those seven years? Are you seeing anything positive or is it getting worse? What, what are the trends like over, over there that you're seeing from your external viewpoint? Um, Nick, it is difficult. Unfortunately, this really makes me sad. Uh, I, it's not, I don't see a glimmer of hope unless there is um, a governmental change happening in Turkey. They have been ruling Turkey for 25 years, I think, maybe more, I, I, even I forgot. And um, it is not every single time when I'm going there uh, to visit my friends, I hear another upsetting story. And every day, just two days ago, I received a message from someone living with HIV about losing their jobs as a teacher just because they were diagnosed with HIV. Um, people are very narrow-minded and government is not protecting everybody. And on the contrary, they are just giving everyone, in quotes, freedom to do whatever they want to do, but uh, against LGBTQ plus people. So they are not getting any punishment for murdering a gay guy or, or a trans man or a trans woman or a sex worker, you know, and every day this is just getting worse and worse. I told you just last month they held an anti-LGBTQ plus march and government advertised that on televisions, uh, you know, in public media. So it's what can I say? Just, you know, it's, I think it's speaking very loudly by itself. It's just not being seen. I'm really hoping that, you know, this somehow becomes a voice that some people outside may take actions, though, you know, there's nothing can be done at this point. It's not a part of you. <laughs> well, I, I hope we can help with, with that, Haron, just in terms of, of a little bit of visibility and 
I, I don't think we can do a lot or, or change the world, but just chipping away. Um, yeah. And yeah. You, you see places, even in the EU, some of the countries like Poland yeah. and Hungary, which seem to be getting more and more repressive yeah. and yeah. abolishing a lot of the LGBTQ rights. It's uh, it's a worrying situation, of course, a lot of it talk. It is very, very. Nick, I just don't understand generally, you know, in those countries, why we cannot just live our own lives you know why we just we why we just want that power to manage everybody else's life why we don't have to interfere with anyone else's life we don't need to do that nobody needs to do that you know why why people are constantly currently just trying to manage and control other people just you know, LGBTQ plus people, it is just, it is, it stays in our bedroom. We have our own lives and we are working, you know, we are not just going around and attacking people or just, you know, uh, creating a, a nuisance or whatever, you know, it's just, I just don't understand this urge in other people for this hostility and for these attacks. It's not fair. We don't do the same back in return. We just approach them with love and respect and we just want to do just see the same, get the same. But it doesn't happen. It just makes me upset, really. I completely, completely understand the, the lack of tolerance, the lack of empathy. And as you say, you know, get on, live your life, respect all communities. Yeah. Why Why That's are people judging? So going back to 2015, Harun, so you came yeah. to the UK, and it's no exaggeration, I think, to say, to, to start a new life. Tell me a little bit about from from that moment, if we go back to 2015 to today, how you got into your sexual health charity, your advocacy world for, you know, for yeah. sexual health. How, how did that uh, sequentially take place? How did I start to talk about sex? Um, so Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, I, again, I sometimes I feel like, you know, how I was raised as a religious man uh, uh, plays gets games on me but um i'm hugely over it like 95 percent i'm over it but still five percent sometimes there but this happened in 2016 actually a year after i came here and i received um, clearly as a single gay man you know moving into the london into london is the one of the greatest blessings in the world you know a gay scene and you know the, the 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 community the feeling of belonging here so i was dating dating other men um i was i'm i'm still using dating apps um like you know um grinder or scruff or whatever and um so in 2016 summertime i think it was in june i received a text message on grinder which I keep on telling people that, you know, nobody sends a long message on Grindr or any dating app, to be honest, to uh, to communicate. And I received a very long message. So it was kind of um, um, a sign. <laughs> and I, when I read the message, uh, the person uh, that I, I met a couple of times told me that uh, he was diagnosed with HIV and I was the first man he, he, he has been with uh, back then. So uh, he just he just wanted to warn me very kindly and um, you know uh, very very openly honestly he just said that can you please get tested because I probably got this from you and I said that I think I think you are wrong because I don't have any symptoms and you you know you cannot 
you cannot hide this from me. Probably you don't you don't remember. And um, but I ordered a home test kit. So home test kits were actually uh, very very new to me because in 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 Istanbul before I moved moved to the UK, I had a boyfriend um, um, and. Um, he was American, and one night, um, we, when we were sitting, he started to cry, and he said that he had a confession to make. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? What is this? And he shared that he was living with HIV. So when my family trapped me, uh, and when they were physically torturing me, my mother told me that I was going to die from AIDS because I'm gay. And uh, I have, you know, this is this is how the ball rolls for them. So I, I will die from AIDS and I won't have any friends and I, they will find my dead body because of the smell. So that was what I call my mother's curse. Um, so that was the only sexual health education I had. And then my American boyfriend told me that he was living with HIV. Uh, and just, you know, I'm emphasizing that U equals you or anything about HIV still not known in Turkey, uh, so I had no clue, and I just immediately remembered what my mother told me, and I was panicking, and I looked for a way to get tested. There was no, there is no way to get tested anonymously, privately in Turkey. Sadly, uh, I it is all you need to go to the hospital, and then it goes to your health record, and then when you apply for the jobs or anything, it constantly pops up. No privacy, no secrecy nothing. Um, luckily enough, I found one anonymous testing place in Istanbul, uh, which was set up by a gay man who was murdered, unfortunately, after that, um, um, and in a local mayorship and local management. And I got tested anonymously and then came back negative. But that fear of not knowing anything about HIV was really scary. So with that lack of knowledge, I came to the UK and I received that message on Grindr about somebody diagnosed with HIV and they were just telling that, you know, they got it from me. So I was immediately, oh my God, what I'm gonna do? Like, this is, this must be the end of the world. So, you know, um, but I was very sure that I didn't, I don't have any symptoms, you are wrong. You, this can't be me because I'm very well, I'm very healthy. I looked online and I found out those test kits um, still in use. I actually, I just sent another test kit for my regular sexual health check today as well. You know, you prick your fingers and collect the blood and, and swap your mouth and um, throat and send it back. And I ordered it, but I couldn't, I couldn't do the test. It sat on my desk for two weeks. Um, one, I'm a little bit scared of needles. Two, I was very afraid of the result. And when I took it, it came back positive, reactive. Uh, I was working, I was working in a Turkish company, so I had to keep it as a secret, but taking time off and going to hospital was difficult. So I had to pretend like it didn't happen. I immediately started my medication. I think I started my medication on the same day. Uh, and uh, I pretend like it didn't happen. It, it wasn't there. But then a month later, pill burden came over, I, I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm gonna, I have to take this pill every day for the rest of my life. And I had no idea. I was really thinking that I will die in a couple of years time. I will never have any boyfriends. And my mother's curse was chasing me. 
And, um, you know, and then my friends, they were all Turkish and they would judge me, you know, I would be alone. They would really probably gonna find me dead in my body, in my, in my room. And it scared me and I went to a very dark place and um, I decided to end my life. And before doing that, um, it was one of the early regular checks in the hospital. I told them and they, they gave me a leaflet of um, a, an organization that is helping people living with HIV. Unfortunately, when I went to that organization, I don't know, it was maybe my luck, um, I was told that I didn't have an appointment, so I, they weren't able to help me. Um, so that was really upsetting uh, yeah. for me. Mm. That, was, that was really upsetting for me. That was like, you know, I didn't know I needed an appointment before completing suicide or ending my life. And um, that point was a turning point for me. And rather than taking the dark side, I decided to be the change itself with the very cliche word. And um, I decided to volunteer. And I just wanted to be out there for someone like me who, who needs help. And since then, uh, 2016, December, I think, maybe November. And um, six years in, I'm still, right now I'm working in a paid role as well. But for four years, I did a volunteer roles in various charities. And now I am working for Positively UK and LGBT Hero, uh, running different projects, sexual well-being projects um, and HIV projects, just to be there for someone who needs help. Because HIV changed a lot and I didn't know about it. And I learned a lot. And I can't believe that I really decided to end my life just solely on lack of knowledge. As I learned more, I got stronger and I just really got this power in me, especially to educate others and share all my negative experiences and all those shames I had. I just wanted to share them openly so somebody would just kind of see themselves in it or just, you know, hear and then not feel alone, not feel hopeless. Um, and yeah, and I, I'm not willing to stop right now, to be honest. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> please don't, Harun. Um, thank you for being so open and, and so, so so disclosing about everything. Um, and oh, that no. mother's curse is well and truly buried, I'm sure. You know, very, Fingers very crossed. deep. Yes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> T tell me if, if you don't mind, and please, you know, I, I know it's difficult. That moment where you said, rather than taking your own life, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the change. I'm going to go and help others. Mm -hmm. Was that a spur of the moment decision? Did that take place over time? For other people listening who may be going through something similar, how, how did that take place? The, it take place because of the attitude I faced in that organization. And uh, that, because, you know, they kept me waiting and, you know, because I, I, I was already confused and uh, didn't know what to do. And they were asking my appointment. I didn't have one. I didn't know. I, you know, I wasn't able to think. And then, you know, they were coming and going and looking for someone. Nobody was there. I don't know what was the problem. And, you know, they just looked around and found a magazine a paper somewhere and took my number. They said somebody would call me, but they didn't call me. 
So, you know, and then that was kind of the moment that I was sitting there waiting there and waiting for hours maybe for, for them to find someone and couldn't manage. And I was like, listen, this just, you know, you just kind of did the toughest thing by yourself without any support moving from Turkey to the UK in this very hostile Brexit cli- climate, you know, when they are trying to cancel the visas and stop the migration. And I managed that. So, you know, I just didn't want to end it there while at the very beginning of my journey. And I said that, you know, and I went home, not didn't wait there. And I searched online and I found this THT campaign saying, can't pass it on. I said, oh my God, what is can't pass it on? And reading that campaign and then leading me to you because you and the studies, I'm, I'm a man of science. I love reading articles and the studies and listening to doctors. You know, I don't really give credit to any unproven uh, misinform- misinformation. You know, I, I don't do that. So I, I, you know, I studied. I really studied and I studied and I read and I saw that, oh, my God, I'm glad I haven't done what I planned because it would be for nothing, you know? I, so I just, I can have sex again. I, I you know, I, I can have boyfriend again, you know? I don't have to be alone. And I can tell my friends, because it is not possible to pass it on as long as I'm on treatment. So I'm glad I just didn't just end my life. And it was quite a powerful moment I had. I isolated myself a lot. I cut my ties with everybody around the world. Um, and six months in, I just came back to life and I started to, you know, go in the crowd, meet other people living with HIV. And it showed me that actually hearing experiences from people living it really makes sense. I met so many people until today, thousands of people, different HIV stories. Every time I'm just, they're just adding one bit of strength on me. Because, you know, every story is different and they're so powerful. They're so beautiful. And, you know, it just makes me very much stronger. And saying that, listen, those are all the lives going all along, you know, all around as normal as possible. And science is developing a lot. And now, actually, I'm afraid of the STIs, other STIs than HIV, you know, (laughs) because my HIV is very well under control. And I'm glad that I, I didn't choose to end my life at that point. Um, so I don't name that organization clearly, but um, maybe and rather than being angry at them, I have to thank them for, um, you know, not something doesn't kill you, makes you stronger, cliche, make it happen for me. <laughs> well, hopefully if they're listening, Harun, other people going through that experience will we'll have a more positive and an easier experience. So, so a real turning point for you. Yes, there. it was in your life, um, which is which is incredible. Now, now tell me just about some of the advocacy and some of the charity work that you're doing, Harold. Of course. Um, well, uh, since I had a monkeypox in June, uh, I it was really, uh, some of the maybe listeners may remember my name. If not, please do search my name and write down monkeypox cheekily after it. And you will come across many other interviews or stories about me, about the difficulties I had, about accessing help and getting tested and, you know, uh, hospitalization. Um, So up to that point, there was still a little bit hesitation, I think, in my advocacy and activism. 
And that happened and I was in kind of, again, lockdown for 45 days to isolate myself. That really breaks something greatly in a positive way. And I decided that um, being one of the first people who shared his story with monkeypox live from the hospital, uh, you know, it just said that, listen, this can't be, you know, this can't be happening. I don't, I don't want people to stigmatize this condition like they did with HIV. And I don't want them to blame sex when they do for everything. When there is something bad, they, you know, the first thing to go, oh, gays, they are nasty. They are promiscuous. And sex. Oh, you know, if you don't be promiscuous again, uh, you know, you 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 know, you, you will be very happy and healthy. Just, you know, find your Jesus. It's like, come on. I just, people were attacking me when I was sharing my story. I said, no, it's just, you know, this is not happening. No, I won't let that. I won't let you to come after me at all. So, um, I, I, my character actually, when somebody tells me not to do something, I just go on the other opposite way. So I started to do, I started to talk about sex a lot. Since then, I am a, I'm a sexual health advocate. I am um, openly sharing all my experiences uh, to empower others, which I did before, but it was more undercover. Now I'm just, I'm sharing it in the media openly, like I'm doing this podcast. And I'm sharing all my experiences, like, um, and I'm just trying to make, normalize uh, those conversations about sex because there's nothing to be ashamed about sex or sexual health or well-being as you know if there is no sexual health well-being your physical health well-being or mental health well-being doesn't matter it is it comes a full circle because sex is like eating or drinking you know it's just you cannot uh, it's, it's a need it's a need of your body you cannot just leave it um, and ignore it and you know just not not to do anything about it so my activism actually right now around it i'm running monkeypox support groups and other sexual health well-being groups with lgbt hero as well as with positively uk i am running empowerment program workshops which i go to the clinics uh, hiv clinics and i talk to the patients and um, offer them a six session of informative uh, sessions about HIV to empower them, which uh, we just finished the first year of the program and the results are amazing to see how those people growing and, you know, becoming more stronger. Um, and even one of the patients said that, you know, they shared the story with their partner immediately after listening the science part of it, because they, they knew the answers and what how to answer the questions they may get. That kind of responses are really making me happy. And um, on the other side, I am, I am individually on the social media, on both on Turkish and on English, trying to share short videos. Um, if anyone uh, visit my Instagram page or Twitter page. They may find those videos all across, uh, especially in Instagram highlights. I save them there um, to empower others and share those informations about sexual health. From testing to HIV to, to myth busting, whatever, you know, I question I receive, I just record a short video. And this is really, I spend my days right now. It's really keeping me busy. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I can imagine somebody who's going through the questioning and the difficulties that you went through, Haddon. What a, what a great role model you must be. Oh, thank you. 
So, uh, no, thank you, Harun. And of course, all of those links in your Instagram and the, the charity links, we will make sure that those are in the notes of the, the podcast as well. Thank you. So let's take a short break to bring you a message from one of our sponsors. AuraSure are the makers of AuraQuick HIV self-test, which uses oral fluid to check for antibodies to HIV type 1 and HIV type 2, the viruses that cause AIDS. The kit is designed to allow you to take the HIV test anonymously and in private with the collection of an oral fluid sample by swabbing your upper and lower gums with the test device. So moving forward, Harun, if we're having this conversation in three Uh years' time or five years' time, Mm -hmm. in terms of that advocacy, what would you like to see change? I think it's pretty simple in in Turkey, Mm -hmm. but what are the things that we can improve on in the UK that you're you're seeing as you're speaking to people and doing your um, advocacy work? Mm Mm-hmm. But while while I started, I, I when I first started my advocacy, I said that you know I maybe because all the trauma I had uh, in Turkey, I said I don't want to do anything about you know Turkey. But now uh, after getting, especially after monkeypox, getting all those messages, even still yesterday, maybe the, the other day, um, people were asking, you know, how did you, how did, how how can you be positive and living with HIV, you know. Uh, uh, you know, have this attitude. I said, you know, because you don't know the facts of HIV. So it just greatly shaped me. Uh, since monkeypox, I got my, you know, my feet on the ground much better. Um, and I'm just much more armored than uh, against those difficulties. And, but still, I just keep my main focus in the UK because I think UK is being one of the, you know, we always think that UK is one of the biggest, you know, developed developed countries leading the world. And NHIV, yes, our sexual health, uh, sexual health clinics and HIV clinics are fantastic. The consultants working in the clinics are amazing. But generally speaking, our NHS and the, all the other aspects of healthcare is really failing. So my aim is really focusing on um, where we are at and when, uh, because when we look at the survey, which was actually uh, the results that came back last month, 80% of other NHS staff members don't know about U equals U. So this kind of gives me a goal for the next three or five years. And I would really like to see certain steps and actions taken by authorities, whoever they are, um, and by pharma as well, and by organizations, by everybody, to invest in sexual health education, not only in schools, which we don't have, but we should have, but also in healthcare system. And ongoing development is necessary. People with living, people living with HIV still coming back to us about their GP, about their dentist, stigmatizing, uh, discriminating them. This, these are the things that I don't want to see in the next three or five years. And I really want a very wide... We don't need any more campaigns, I think. We have lots of campaigns. We need actions right now. So more localized actions, more uh, demographic studies happening in public places to end the inequalities as well. So we always think, we always think from our own window, but... Um, though you know, I'm an I'm I'm coming from an Asian background. Um, white cis men is donating the access to um, the dominating the access to healthcare. 
we really stop these inequalities around the world. So I will really do all my best, which I already started, to push pharma to donate the medication um, to Africa, which is HIV and monkeypox and many other conditions that are still more serious. So until everybody is safe, we are all not safe. You know, uh, we have to understand that. And the other thing, my personal goal is really making those conversations normal. Talking about sex is normal. Please, when somebody is telling you about their sexual life, if you are feeling some kind of shame, you really look into the mirror and ask yourself why you feel that way. Because when you share on your Instagram a food you ate, you don't feel the same. So why you see somebody talking about their sex life or you know they were diagnosed with an STI or whatever, why you your mind goes through those judgmental thoughts? We really all we all have to uh, ask those questions to each other. So I want to see in the next three, five years, a more open-minded community in my own community, gay community as well. I would like to see it more because sometimes we do it as well. We can become our worst enemies. And in all communities and in all life, UK, London life, I would like to see more equality, more equity, more openness, more transparency. Um, and I will do my best to be honest, whatever I can do. Um, so I can't promise anything because, <laughs> you know, every day something new happens. But if I don't die from another virus, I, I will do my best for the next five years. <laughs> yes, no, I don't think there's any any danger. That curse is buried, Haron. Absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, we also, and, you know, COVID happened out of nowhere. So we don't know what is next, but, you know, something may happen. <laughs> let's be positive. Let's be yeah, positive. Yeah, I think you're one of the most positive people I, I know. And, you know, that advocacy it's a long road ahead but uh, we need more people like you pushing and and changing mindsets and working to educate people and bring people together absolutely from different different communities different absolutely. countries so please keep keep absolutely. doing what you're doing <laughs> well also you keep doing what you are doing you know sharing information internationally sharing knowledge internationally is very important we saw that in monkeypox studies you know when uh, Chloe Orkin worked worldwide with all the other researchers from all the countries. They came up with fantastic results. So it showed that knowledge and viruses and illnesses, conditions, they don't know any borders. We have to look from a global perspective, you know. But it starts with cleaning our own house first. So, you know, let's let's take control of our own house and while we are protecting others and protecting ourselves. Um, so, you know, we all have a duty to complete, fulfill, I think. Very, very much so, Harun. Just a couple of questions of to finish. One serious, one not so serious. So mm -hmm. I'll stop the serious question. If or, or when, because I'm sure they already are, somebody from the LGBTQ plus community contacts you from Turkey, by social media, mm. confidentially, by mail, mm -hmm. going through some of the same issues that you went through, some of the difficulties, and asking your advice. Mm -hmm. What general advice would you give? What would you say to support people? Without going into individual cases or breaking anything yeah. confidential, but just generally, how can those people be supported? Those people need peer support. That's 
that's one thing because when they found out when i went out on television turkish television openly with my identity and with my hiv status and all those messages right now you know oh you know oh my god are you sure that you cannot pass hiv how this can happen you know and uh, the questions are really not being able to believe that people with hiv can live a healthy normal life and um maybe 90% of questions are actually coming from there. So unfortunately, there was a misunderstanding in Turkish media when they represented like the Turkish guy who beat all three virus. So beat in Turkey is just, you know, they got that I was recovered or completely fully cured from HIV. So sometimes they read that news from um, with a misunderstanding. So they contact me, oh my God, how did you cure yourself? And so I just mostly spend my time saying that, listen, you know, even if there was a cure, I wouldn't go for it. You know, one pill a day, take your medication and um, you will have a very happy, healthy, normal life. Nothing changed in my life. I never had any HIV related conditions and or HIV medication problems. So as long as you stick, you know what you are doing, uh, take your medication. You don't have to share with anybody. I'm just sharing those kind of basic information because it is so new to them. There is nobody helping them. And other things, situation I'm helping out mainly is trying to help though. The doctors who are refusing to support people with HIV. It happened to me. A dermatologist kicked me out once. Uh, they didn't believe about you because you're anything they don't know. And lots of plastic surgeons are giving incorrect information. I have lots of screenshots. I raised lots of complaints, trying to contact a couple of authorities, leading nowhere, but I'm trying to help those people to find other doctors who can, they can actually get support and help. Because I have a couple of, I know a couple of doctors, I know therapists, you know, that helping people living with HIV. Or I know, I know other doctors in there. I know they're, you know, respectfully looking after people living with HIV. So that kind of help I'm doing, I'm trying to help them to find the correct resources in either in healthcare or about HIV, matching them with organizations, local organizations, as well as local healthcare that they wouldn't get judged or uh, stigmatized by healthcare people working in there. And busting a lot of myths by the sound of it. And yeah absolutely it's still yes. you wouldn't believe still you know the language if you think that they still call hiv AIDS, that should tell you a lot of things you know it's still the language hasn't changed in there so this is one of the aims in there i don't know hopefully they will reach soon but this shows how they're following behind thank you Harun. and just the last question if somebody you know fresh out of school, fresh out of university, came to you mm -hmm. and said, I want to work in sexual health. Uh -huh. I want to work in advocacy. What would the one piece of advice be that you would give them? Understand the, understanding the situation and the hesitancy and the, the, this delicate, this, uh, delicate this, this sensitivity surrounding it, you know. That is the key point because sexual health means different things to different people and um, one size doesn't fit all. So you have to really adapt yourself for different challenges. And yes, there are a lot of challenges because it's sex, because it is a big taboo and because this is a very multicultural big country. So I would just really advise them to keep an open mind, 
and um, we, they don't need to know how they were contracted with any of these conditions. This is not the concern. Just focus on what they need, what they want, and listen to them and what kind of help they need from you. And once you start to do that, when you get those skills, it gets really easy because people start to listen to you and you sound more authentic. And in, this is the problem, you know, in sexual health mainly because people think that they're being uh, educated by very higher people, you know, speaking different language. No, speak their language, speak very basic language and, you know, understand the needs and wants and just be supportive. And volunteering is always a great start. I, I still volunteer. Even if I'm, I'm working, I do lots of volunteer jobs. And I would recommend everybody who is willing to start doing this, start with volunteering, get a feeling of it. And, you know, sometimes giving condoms or talking about making little conversations in a pub or cafe or somewhere in public, it would give you the sense of what this job means. And you can decide the next steps from there because it opens up many doors, which where I am today, thanks to those experiences I had in the last six years. So, you know, that would be my piece of humble advice. <laughs> That's a great piece of advice had on the roads, not easy, but stay positive, volunteer, and get a sense of satisfaction and, and help others. I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, a real pleasure to, to chat. We'll share the links in the um in, in the podcast information as well to those thank respective so websites much. and instagram and uh, no real pleasure and thank you Harun. thank you nick it was really really great to join and i uh, thank you for giving me this platform and if anyone has any questions they can contact me through social media or through my organizations as well um wherever i work thank you so much thank you very much for listening to the Sticks and Stones podcast today. If you do have a moment to rate and review us, it really does help other people to find this content. And remember, you can also follow us on Twitter under Sticks, S-T-I. That's Sticks, S-T-I-X, S-T-I. Goodbye, and thanks for listening. <laughs>